I, I just want to say that um, uh, we've got some uh, books um, that we've uh, got over here tonight. Um, uh, we uh, um, probably don't have enough for every person in the room, but maybe if we had one for each um, family, each couple, um, and if we run out, um, Joanne is going to uh, get your name, put it on a list, and we will get you a copy. So don't worry if the books run out. Um, by the time you get over there after it's through, Joanne will pass these out at the end. If uh, the books are gone, just give her your name. We'll make sure that we get you one of, uh, of these uh, books. So uh, the, the, the five love languages for children and the five love languages for teenagers. So um, uh, you, uh, you'll want to get one of those books. Uh, um, I tell you, um, I wish uh, Nancy and I have said uh, for years that we wish we had uh, the five love languages uh, for couples. Uh, when we first got married, uh, Jerry Chapman has just done a wonderful job uh, in writing these books and uh, uh, helping us to understand how we can better communicate love uh, to one another, whether it's our, our spouse, whether it's our children. Um, but uh, uh, we, we've got these books for you, and we uh, hope that you'll take them and that they will uh, help you. Um, okay, tonight we, we're, we're going to end this uh, little mini-series on counterculture parenting, and <clears throat> I've uh, chosen tonight to, to close this uh, series um, talking about discipline, um, uh, disciplining your child. And I know that it is a uh, a subject that there are a lot of questions about. There's a lot of um, concerns, a lot of opinions, a lot of, you know, uh, uh, different ideas on how best to discipline children. And so what I hope we can do tonight is look at um, what the Bible uh, says about um, how we can um, uh, do a good job of Discipline in our discipline our children, but making sure that we do it um, in a, a biblical way, in the way that God has laid down for us uh, in His Word. I read about a little boy who um, his daddy had put him down for the night, and his dad had <clears throat> um, uh, walked down the hallway and was um, uh, sitting in his bedroom, um, uh, you know, uh, in a chair reading a book. And, um, uh, and his son, all of a sudden, um, hollers out, Daddy, would you get me a drink of water? And his father says, um, no, son, you don't need any water. Go to sleep. And uh, the boy got silent for a moment. And then a few minutes later, he said, Daddy, would you please get me a drink of water? And again, the father said, no, son, go to sleep. Um, uh, well, the third time, the son said, Daddy, please get me a drink of water. And this time the father said, son, say it one more time and I'm going to spank you. Well, it got real quiet. And then the little boy said, daddy, when you get up to spank me, will you bring me a cup of water? 
kids. <laughs> oh, boy. Tonight, we want to talk about discipline. Um, and before we get into the subject of discipline, I, want to, I just want to share some things. I want to mention to you three problems. If you've got your sheet there that um, we handed out to you, I want to mention three problems with, that, that I see with parenting today. And the first problem is this, that I, it's, the, it's our desire to be our kid's best friend. Can I just say, parents, God never intended for you to be your kid's best friend. Um, at least not at the stage when they're young. Uh, they may be your friend when they go, grow into adulthood, uh, but while they're children, that has never been God's purpose. Some parents want their kids to think that they're cool. Um, uh, you know, that they're their buddies. Um, uh, they, they want their kids to be happy. So therefore, they, they you know, become uh, their friend and, and they want to uh, give them, they want to please them. They want to give them things that will satisfy them and make them happy. The problem is, if you want your kids to be happy, but God wants your kids to be holy. Um, and he's put you in charge of that process. Um, so that's the first problem I see today, is that parents want, their want to be their kid's best friend. A second problem that I see today in uh, parenting is an unwillingness in many parents to say no. An unwillingness in many parents to say no to their kids. In this affluent culture in which we live, there are many parents who can't or won't say no. They feel like that just because they can afford it or just because the other kids have such and such a gadget or whatever it is that they need to give their kids the same thing. And what happens is, is that parents and grandparents confuse permissiveness with love. Too much love will never spoil your children, but a failure to say no will. Um, we must somehow find the balance to say no to our kids. Um, our goal is not, again, to make our children happy by giving them everything they want. Our goal is to make sure our kids grow up and become mature adults. When we give them too much, it creates an entitlement mentality. They feel like they are entitled to this or that, and they become self-centered kids, immature kids, kids with an unrealistic view of self. In other words, kids that are spoiled rotten. And guess what? That carries over into adulthood. But the reality is we know as adults we don't always get everything we want, right? And the people who have the biggest problem with that are generally those who got everything they wanted when they were kids. 
the ones who don't wrestle with it so much, or one, the ones that it's not such a, a hard thing to deal with are the ones who didn't have much when they were growing up anyway, and they're used to being told no. Um, <clears throat> so that's the second thing, an unwillingness to say no. Third, the third problem in parenting today is a failure to support appointed authorities. Now, this is a big problem with parenting today. The biggest problem teachers, coaches, youth and children's pastors, and police, and the courts, and anybody else in authority have over our kids today is when they try to discipline a child, they're either fired or they're blessed out or they're taken to court and faced with a lawsuit. And friend, that's just not right. I remember when I was in school, if I got a whooping, which was quite often, my civics professor professor, my civics teacher in the ninth grade, he had a two-by-four paddle. And when we met, talked in class and we didn't do what we were supposed to do, Mr. Blackwell, you had a choice. You could either let him hit you three times with that two-by-four paddle or you had to stay after school and clean the blinds in the room. I took a whooping every time. But guess what? My daddy never found out about it. You know why? Because if I told my daddy he got a whooping at school, he wouldn't have been up there blessing Mr. Mr. Blackwell out. He'd have given me another one at home. Because he always thought the teacher was right and supported the teacher. Today it's just the opposite. Um, my parents respected those in authority and they taught us to respect those in authority over us. Those are just three problems that I see today in parenting that um, uh, we need to to, uh, really think about. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2 and look in verse 52. Luke 2 verse 52. We find these words about Jesus. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now that ought to be our goal in raising our own children. To grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You see, when uh, we grow in wisdom, that's talking about intellectual growth. When we grow in stature, that's physical growth. When we grow in favor with God, that's spiritual growth. And when we grow in favor with man, that's social growth. That should be our goal, to grow in wisdom intellectually, to grow in stature physically, to grow in favor with God spiritually, and to grow in favor with men socially. Um, that characterizes what we've been talking about for the last three weeks. That characterizes a spiritual champion. And that's what we want to raise, right? Spiritual champions for God. Well, how do we accomplish that with our children? How do we raise spiritual champions? The truth is every child has a tendency toward evil, if you haven't found that out yet. 
So we must make sure that they understand that when they make wrong choices, there are consequences. Um, And I will say to you that we have a biblical responsibility to discipline our children when they disobey, when they do wrong, when they choose to do um, uh, that which they know is not right. We are uh, responsible to hold them accountable. Why? Because our goal, again, is to raise spiritual champions who, like Jesus, increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Can I just say, if our goal is not to raise spiritual champions and we don't hold them accountable for their actions, we simply do not love our children as much as we should. Solomon tells us this in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Look what it says. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. So here's what I want you to take away from the study tonight on discipline. Parents have a biblical responsibility to lovingly discipline children when they do wrong. So I want to give you six principles for disciplining your children. Um, Six things to think about. First of all, before any discipline takes place, we ought to first build a loving relationship with our children. We must first build a loving relationship with our children. You see, rules without a loving relationship equals rebellion. Um, I believe if you will hug your child often, and if you will tell your children how much you love them as often as possible, you'll have to discipline them less. Um, It's only when you show constant affection and affirmation that we can constantly correct our children. Um, uh, They're going to receive discipline. They're going to receive correction a lot better when they know they're loved, when they know that there is a genuine relationship between them and the parent than if there's not. Um, So um, we must build a loving relationship with um, our children. Um, if If you have rules alone, Rules without an intimate relationship with your child, in other words, rules without any love, then you'll always have rebellion and resentment. Um, My own father, uh, I'm probably going to refer to my dad a lot tonight, but um, my dad was both a firm disciplinarian and one of the most affectionate people I've ever known in my life, man or woman. Um, he didn't put up with any disrespect and he didn't put up with any disobedience. We knew he meant business. And if we did wrong, we knew we were going to pay a price. We were going to be punished. But we also knew that regardless of what kind of punishment he inflicted upon us, we always knew we never doubted his love for us. 
Uh, the same principle works for teachers or coaches or anyone else in authority. Listen, I remember when I was in um, uh, fourth or fifth grade Sunday school class, um, uh, there were about, um, I don't know, seven, eight, nine of us boys in my uh, Sunday school class down at Snyder Memorial um, in Fayetteville. And uh, we had a man who uh, taught us, a, a tall man, um, uh, wore uh, wingtip shoes and his name was uh, Mr. Hall, Elmer Hall. And he was actually the father of a, a, a girl who was a classmate of mine, Pam Hall. And uh, Mr. Hall uh, would be in Sunday school. He'd be teaching us a lesson. You know how fourth grade, fifth grade boys can be. But let me tell you how he got our attention and kept our attention. Um, he had three modes of punishment um, if you misbehaved in his class, and he gave you a choice. Now, I've already told you, he wore big old wingtip shoes, and one punishment was he would take his leg and he would kick you, not hard, but he would kick you enough to where you felt it in your shin with those wingtips. That was one mode. You could choose that if you wanted to. The other one was he would, come, he would twist your ear. I mean, he would twist your ear to where you thought he was, it was coming off. But the third, if you didn't want to get kicked in the shin and you didn't want your ear twisted, he was glad to just take you and walk you down to your father's Sunday school class and say, Bill, Ricky's not listening this morning in Sunday school. I always pick the first two. <laughs> Um, but you know what was different about Mr. Hall? Even though we knew he meant it, he would do one of those three things. We also knew he cared about us because he was always joking with us. He was always um, uh, doing things with us. He would take us on little trips. His daddy had a farm um, outside of Fayetteville in East Fayetteville. We'd go out there on Saturday mornings and have hot dog and hamburger uh, cookouts. And we'd play in the barn and chase cows. And um, he was always uh, having fun with us. He'd come out and support us when we were um, having a ball game or something. He would be out there cheering us on. We knew he cared about us. You see, he was building a relationship. So therefore, when he had to discipline us, he had already built a relationship to where we knew this man cares about us. He really cares about us. So that's the first thing I would say. Um, first of all, you have to build a loving relationship. You say, well, isn't that, you know, a given for parents? No. Sadly, you know, you can be an absent parent and live in the same home with your kids and not really establish relationship with them. So the first thing, if, if, you're, if we're going to discipline our children and be biblical about raising our children, we need to first establish a relationship with those kids to where they know that they're important to us and that we care about them. And chances are, the more you do that and the greater that relationship becomes, chances are you're probably have to discipline them less and less. Um, but that's the first thing I want you to see, to build a loving relationship with your child. 
the second um, principle I want you to see is we need to set boundaries and consequences. I can remember coming out of church one Sunday morning, and a lady came up to my father and said, Bill, you've got the most well-behaved kids in church. And my daddy, I can still see this scene. I, I, however many years ago that was, I can still remember that scene standing out in, front, in the front yard of Snyder Moore Baptist Church. And my daddy, when that lady said that, looking, because there were about three or four of us standing there waiting for him, and he just looked at us, looked back at the lady and smiled and said, they know better. And we did. I think I've shared with you how my daddy did that in church. There were seven of us kids, six boys, one girl. So dad would have three boys on one side, three boys on the other, and then my mom and then my little sister way down there where my mom was. And we thought, you're lucky because mom was the least disciplinarian in our family. But my dad, we were all within arm's length, and dad had certain rules you couldn't write on a bulletin in church, you had to pay attention to the preacher. You couldn't talk in church, um, and you could not, for the life of you, get up during the sermon and walk out and say, you got to use the bathroom. You had to suffer. And if you did get up, Lord help you when you got home. But my daddy, if he ever had to reach over and pinch you, and you looked at him, and you made a face, or you squirmed, or you, especially if you made a noise, if you embarrassed him anyway, that's when he would, would say, all right, wait till you get home. But you know what? I don't remember that many times where my daddy ever punished us for misbehaving in church. You know what? We knew better. We knew. He meant what he said. Um, and uh, he set boundaries, and he told us what the consequences were, and he didn't back off from the consequences. Um, friend, every child has a tendency to do wrong. Every child comes into the world with a bent toward evil, with a selfish nature. So we must discipline our children not to hurt them, Discipline is never intended to hurt a child. It's always intended to help that child. All children need limits. Now, one thing I know, and I've learned from personal experience, is that every is that children are crying out for boundaries. They are crying out for limits. That's what gives them security. They want to know that they have boundaries, that someone cares enough to tell them, no, you can't do this. You can't do this, not because I want to make your life miserable, but because I'm trying to protect you from hurting yourself. Boundaries say, I love you too much to see you hurt yourself by doing this. You know, it's interesting what surveys tell us. 
When they ask children what's the biggest mistake parents make, you know what kids say? They're too lenient. They talk about all these things that will happen to us if we don't behave, but they never follow through. That's kids. Answering survey question about what's the biggest mistake your parents make. You know what the kids are saying? We need boundaries. We need limits. We don't need leniency. We need our parents to enforce their rules. I can remember one time I was up here in Greensboro visiting my aunt and uncle. Many of you have met my Aunt Clara. Um, and there were about, well, there were five of my siblings, me and four of my other siblings. And then there were like three cousins, her boy, and then two of my girl cousins, about seven or eight of us. And we were in my aunt's car, my, my Aunt Clara and my Aunt Sarah. And we were riding around, and my aunt needed to stop. There was a, it was a drugstore that used to be over on Elm Street. And we were going to get out and go into the drugstore. And before we got out, Aunt Clara said, All right, here are the rules. When we get into the store, you're not to touch anything on the shelf, on the shelves. Anybody who touches anything on the shelves, we're leaving immediately and going home. We got out of the car, walked into the store. Of course, we were walking around like this. And, but you know how tempting it is, especially for little kids. You know, they got to touch things. And as we were walking down the aisle or something, one of my cousins said something about something on a shelf. And I can remember I reached over. And I touched something on the shelf. I may have even picked it up. And I didn't know my Aunt Clara was standing so close by that she could see me. And she saw me do that. And she said, okay, that's it. Everybody in the car, we're going home. You know what she taught me that day? If she ever told me anything, she meant it. She set the boundaries. She told us what the consequences were, and she lived up to what she said. Now, was she just trying to make us mad or upset or disappointing because we had to leave and go home? No. What she was trying to show us was, when you're with someone in authority and they tell you to do something, you ought to do what they tell you because it's for your own protection. Um, we need to set boundaries. We need to make clear the consequences. How many times have you said to your child, if you do this, this is what's going to happen, and you never follow through on what you said? Do you know that they're counting that? They're listening. They're paying attention. And they will test you on that every time. Um, set boundaries and the consequences. All right, principle number three, we must explain the punishment when we have to punish one of our children. We need to explain to them why they're being punished. 
Um, be sure that your child understands why they're being disciplined. My dad was good at this too, and I hated it. When he was about to spank us, my dad went through about a three or four step process. First of all, you could see him undo his belt, take his belt off. I know some of you are going, his belt, yeah. They used to use belts back in the day when I was coming along. He pulled off his belt. Then he would sit down on the bed and he would say, Ricky, do you know why I'm disciplining you? Why I'm punishing you? Yes, sir. Well, tell me, what did you do? Why do I have to punish you? And he just won't leave it alone. He just, you know, wants me to confess what I did. Maybe to make him feel better that he is justified. The punishment is justified. And he keeps asking, what did you do? And then you finally, you just share what, whatever it was that you've done. And by the time he gets to spanking or whipping you, you have no doubt that you deserved it. So here's what I would say to you parents and grandparents. Because grandparents, you're a team. We're a team. Grandparents ought to work with the parents and parents ought to work with the grandparents and the, and the kids ought to know they can't play one off of the other, that the rules are the same. Um, if we're going to discipline our children, they need to understand why they're being disciplined. We need to teach our children that we're disciplining them because they've done something wrong. And we need to point out whatever that wrong is. And how do we show them that they've done something wrong? We show them in the Bible what God says about whatever it is that they have done. Now, if you can't go to the Bible for every specific thing a child does, but you can go for things in general. For instance, if, if uh, uh, your child has um, uh, stolen something, um, then you take them to the Ten Commandments and you say, God says in his word, thou shalt not steal. Um, if they've uh, lied about something, you take them to God's word and you show them where God says that we're to always tell the truth. Um, uh, I mean, um, whatever it is that they've done wrong, we point that out. If they speak an unkind word about someone, show them where God says we're to love one another and we are to pray for our enemies. You see, by going to the Bible and showing them what God's word says, here's what you're doing. What you're saying to your child is, look, these are not my rules. These are not my precepts. These are not my principles and my values that I'm making you live up to. What I want you to understand is that I try to live my life by these rules. Your mother tries to live her life by these rules. We have agreed as a couple, as husband and wife, that these are the rules by which we're going to live our life. And these are the, rule, these are the rules that we want 
the members of our family to live by. So when you break one of these rules, it's not a rule we've imposed upon you just out of the air. It's a rule that we believe we have biblical justification for. And then your child understands that the greater rule, the greater principle is that they have disobeyed God. Not just you, they've disobeyed God. So you're able to teach them through their disobedience what they did wrong, why you're pointing it out to them, and why it's important that they understand um, what it is. Um, Explain why you're punishing them. Um, The last thing you want to do is just make your children feel like, well, you've just disappointed me, so I'm going to punish you. Well, that's not a good enough reason. I mean, explain to them why you're disappointed. Um, Give them, you know, an understanding of what they've done wrong. And especially if you can show them in Scripture um, uh, what the Bible says related to whatever that is. Um, So that's number three. Number four, exercise firmness and fairness in your discipline. Now, discipline is to get the child's full attention, not to inflict pain upon your child. Um, uh, Discipline is to help the child, not hurt the child. Solomon says in Proverbs 22, verse 15, look up there on the screen, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. So you have to be fair. You don't discipline each child in the same way. Each of your children are unique. They're, each of them are different. One child may only need a glance. You can just look at one child and they are so disappointed, they're so upset that they've disappointed daddy or mommy that that's all it takes is that look and they just melt. And you know you got their attention. Another child, it may take a word. You may have to say something to them and they straighten up. But then there's that other child that the glance just doesn't do it and the word just doesn't do it. And they continue to be defiant until you finally just have to do the one thing you don't want to do but you have to spank them. You do what the child needs to fit their disobedience. But you don't discipline in the same way and you don't compare your children to one another. Now let me say a word about whether to spank or not to spank. I know that's an issue today, especially upon, with younger uh, uh, couples today. I get that. Um, and so there's a question. Well, you know, is spanking justified? Is it not? Is it right? Is it wrong? Is it biblical? Is it not biblical? You know, the world says we shouldn't spank our children. The Bible says we should. What do I do? Um, I will tell you this. If I had a choice when I was being punished, whether to sit, um, uh, because one of the punishments in my house was when we did something wrong, I have sat in our dining room chairs. I'm telling you, I've sat in a chair against a wall 
and looked at a spot on the wall, I mean, for one or two hours. Now, I'm just telling you, if I've got the choice of a spanking or sitting in that chair, I'll take the spanking any day. Um, uh, spankings are not all uh, bad. Um, but whatever, if you've got to get to that point, as I've already said, some children only need to be looked at. Some children just need to be spoken to. But there are some children who need more than that. And sitting in a corner, facing the wall, taking away privileges or grounding a teenager, if it's a teenager you're dealing with, those can all be effective in certain cases, but if you have a strong-willed child, it may necessitate that you spank them. Now, whenever the parent is challenged defiantly, I mean the child just throws a temper tantrum and they start hollering and screaming and just, you know, refusing to do whatever it is that you are trying to get them to do. It's important to win that battle that the child himself initiates. Um, but how you triumph over that child's defiance is of utmost importance. So if you have to spank, I just want you to understand you're on solid biblical ground. You're on solid biblical ground. Um, the Old Testament said use a rod. The New Testament talks about using a, a, a whip. Now, I don't suggest you go out and use a whip. Um, uh, but I guess you could say that is the modern, you know, the modern translation of that would be use a belt. I don't know. My daddy probably got that from that. Um, my parents used a hairbrush. Listen, my mother, I don't know how many hairbrushes she broke on us. Um, uh, you know, or you remember those old rubber ball paddles? I hated when we broke those things, when the balls came off, uh, because my daddy would take those paddles and that would be his instrument of torture for us. Um, or, you know, those wooden spoons mom keeps in her drawer? <clears throat> Have we ever been hit with a, one of those wooden spoons? Yeah. Um, whatever, <laughs> whatever you use, I would just say, oh, and there was one other thing that we used to, uh, my mama used to use. And pity those of you who have willow trees in your yard. You ever been hit by a willow tree branch? Whew. Mm, mm, mm. And where do you spank? On the place that God built for spanking, the child's bottom. Why do you think he put so much protection back there? Um, God built the perfect spot on the human body. Uh, and put extra padding so that you can spank without permanently injuring your child. Um, but let me just say this. Whatever discipline, whatever form of punishment you use with your child, just make sure you do it for the right reason. You never ought to punish your child out of anger. You, ever, you never ought to punish your child out of frustration. It ought to be 
after a time when you've cooled off, after a time when you've calmed down, and after a time when you've got your bearings and you know your only purpose in disciplining that child is to teach them a lesson, to show them um, a, a truth. So if your child needs spanking, go ahead, do it, but remember that you're not trying to hurt that child, you're simply trying to teach them a lesson and do it in love. My father used to say before he would spank us, son, this hurts me worse than it hurts you. And I, and I would go, really? And as he was spanked, if he was using a belt, I would sit there and I would think, that is the dumbest statement I have ever heard in my life. That's good for him to say when he's on that end of the belt and I'm on this end of the belt. Um, but he would. He would always say, son, this hurts me worse than it hurts you. And I always thought that was the dumbest statement ever made by parents until I became a parent. And I can still remember the first time that I had to punish my little boy, Trent. And I'm telling you, I don't care how bad it hurt him. It hurt me way more to hit, to punish my son, to spank him, than it did him. And I understood what my daddy was trying to say to me as a little boy. Son, I'm not enjoying this. The only reason I'm doing this is because I love you too much to see you hurt yourself. And sometimes I don't have any other choice but to do something besides look at you, speak to you. I need to do something to get your attention so that you don't continue to defy authority and think that you can continue to rebel and then you grow up and you become one of those adults who never listens to authority and never does what you're supposed to do. I didn't understand, but I do today. Because you see, I believe the majority of parents have reached the point of having to spank a child. I really believe that if a parent reaches the stage where you have to spank a child, that the parent who truly loves their child does it with a broken heart. They do it with a broken heart. Knowing that you have to do it for their good, you're spanking them, believing in the long-term results. Well, that brings me to the fifth principle. Command respect and honor. Command respect and honor. You know, in recent years, parents have gotten off track and they've given up their power to their children. They've given up control of their homes. And one of the things that's led to that is that both parents are working today. And so when both parents get home, they've had very little time with their children. They're tired. They're stressed out. And the last thing they want is for their kids to see, their, see them, the parent, 
angry at them and upset with them because they've been gone all day. And so instead of, um, uh, you know, uh, insisting on obedience and instead of punishing when punishment is required or necessary, we just kind of blow it off because it's easier at the moment to blow it off and everybody to just stay calm and at peace than to go through the whole ordeal of having to discipline. And can I say the Bible speaks against this very clearly? The Bible says we are to expect obedience from our children. They are to honor, they are to respect, and they are to obey their parents. Look what Paul says. Look up here on the screen. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So let me ask you, do you want to please the Lord? Do you want your children to please the Lord? Then children must obey their parents because when they do, Paul says, the Bible says, it pleases the Lord. Paul also writes in Ephesians chapter 6, in verses 1 through 3, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long excuse me, in the land. So if you want a fulfilled life, if you want a good life for your children, if you want them to be blessed, then you must teach them that they have a responsibility to honor and respect and obey you, the parent. Now that's true for two reasons. First, it pleases the Lord. And secondly, it's right. And if they'll do that, they will be blessed. They will live a long and prosperous and happy life, according to what the Bible says. On the other hand, if they do not obey, if they disobey uh, you, if they disrespect their parents, if they don't honor you, um, uh, then they're going to end up hurting themselves and may even be destroyed. So I ask you, what do you prefer for your children? Do you want them to have a blessed life? Do you want them to have a fulfilled life, a happy life? A good life well look we know there's no guarantees about anything but the Bible says if we do these things the chances are first of all it pleases the Lord and second of all our children will have a much better life as a result of our loving discipline and expecting them to honor obey and respect you, the parent. Um, friend, as soon as a child is old enough to understand what is right and wrong, that child should begin to obey their parents. And when they don't obey, the parent is to hold them accountable and discipline them until they do obey. Requiring your child to obey is the best thing you can do for them. First of all, because it pleases God. And second, because they'll have a much better life by doing so. It's also the best thing you can do for yourself. Because if your child makes a mess of his or her life, you're not going to be very happy.
And so you want to do everything you can to make sure that they are loving the Lord, loving you, honoring the Lord, honoring you, respecting the Lord, respecting you, and being obedient. Another important thing to think about is this. The reason you teach your children to honor, respect, and obey you is because in doing so, by their loving you, by their honoring you, by their respecting you and obeying you, you are teaching them to love, honor, obey, and respect God himself. I'm telling you, if your kids won't submit to you, they are never going to submit to God. They will never submit to God if they're not submitting to you first. And they'll have trouble submitting to any other authority as well. Teachers, coaches, the police, any other authority um, uh, um, uh, that they come under. That's why God tells children to obey their parents. It's a lesson to obey others and ultimately to obey God. All right, last principle I want to give you is always follow up your discipline with affirmation and affection. Always, 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 always follow up any discipline with affection and affirmation. When your child has had time to process what has happened to them and you go to their room. My dad used to, it never failed. My father used to discipline us. I don't know, 10 minutes later, at some point, the door would open and my dad would come in and sit down on the bed, put his arm around us, and he would say how much he loved us and how important we all were to him. And the fact that he knows that we're, we were good kids, we just made a mistake, we just did something wrong. And the only reason he punished us was because he was trying to help us see that whatever it was we were doing at the time could ultimately end up harming us long term. Um, the Bible says we're to teach and we're to train. And when we have to, we're to discipline, but always with affection and always with affirmation afterwards. Raising spiritual champions is a process. And when it's done right, God will bless us and bless our children. When Dwight Eisenhower, Eisenhower was a child, he had a terrible temper. He wrote about a life-changing experience that took place one day when he was a boy. His older brothers um, were going to go somewhere. And Eisenhower's father said to young Dwight, he was the youngest of the brothers, that he couldn't go with his older brothers to do whatever it was they were going to do. Well, Eisenhower flew into a rage, and he ran out into the yard, and he began to pound his fist into a tree until both of his fists were just bloody where he was just pounding, uh, hitting that tree with his fist. Um, his, um, he, he kept doing that so long that he finally just kind of 
fell on the ground and he was almost unconscious. His father went out, grabbed him, brought him into the house and spanked him for his temper tantrum. Later, as he was upstairs in his room crying, his godly mother walks into the room to clean his hands and to bandage them. And as she was cleaning his hands and bandaging them, she quoted Proverbs 16.32, Better a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. And from that point on, Dwight Eisenhower said he began to ask God to control his temper. He later wrote, If he had not learned to surrender his anger and control his temper, if his daddy had not spanked him, disciplined him that day, and his mother come into his room afterwards and show him why he was being punished because what he had done went against God's word. Eisenhower said if that had not happened to him, he would never have become the supreme allied commander over all of the forces in World War II, and he never would have become president of the United States. Friend, I just want to say to you, as I end this little mini-series on parenting, discipline is biblical, and it has positive effects on our children. They may never become president of the United States, but when taught right and trained right and disciplined right, they will become spiritual champions for God. And I don't know about you, but if I had to choose between the presidency or being a champion for God, I'd choose the latter any day for my kids. Amen? And so I hope in some small way that these lessons have been helpful to you. Um, and uh, if you would like, um, uh, you know, some more kind of mini-series like this, whether it's, you know, some more uh, lessons on parenting or maybe on marriage or anything else related to the family, um, uh, if you would just let me know that, send me an email, send me a text, um, let me know what you thought about this, um, uh, you know, I, I can take criticism, you're not going to hurt my feelings if you've got some um, criticisms, uh, uh, you know, just let me know what you've gotten out of this, because what what I hope to have achieved from this is to help you in some way that uh, something might have stirred something in you that might have helped that might help you uh, in your role as parents. Because let me tell you something: there's no more important role than being a parent.